Welcome to the Career Chatroom, where we focus on job searching and landing. I'm your host, Erin Sergi. Welcome back to the Career Chatroom. Today's episode focuses on some of the resume advice that I offer up when asked to review a resume. And although I'm definitely trying to encourage people to put a lot of their energy into their LinkedIn profile, having a good solid resume at the ready is essential for applying for positions and for networking. I receive resumes for review from experienced professionals as well as college students and everything in between. And I find that most of the advice that I'm giving out applies to all levels of experience and for the most part, most areas of work. So I thought it would be useful for me to package up some of my my most common coaching into this episode of the Career Chatroom, and not as an interview or a conversation with someone else, but as as an efficient resource for reference for you as you either build out or refine your resume. The first thing that I find I'm advising people to do is to not include your home address on your resume. I would say don't even need to put your city and state. When you get to the application process for a particular position, you will most definitely be providing that information and you do it in the application. But there's just really no need to put it on your resume in this day and age. In fact, I don't recommend including it for two main reasons. One is privacy and the other is to ensure that you're keeping your options open. I see people putting their resume with their home address on it as a post on LinkedIn. It's a public thing and it just makes me cringe, especially for women, but really this applies for everyone. There's just no need to put your home address on your profile, especially with your picture, when recruiters are gonna contact you through LinkedIn messaging, your cell phone, or your email address. The other reason is to not limit how recruiters are going to view you geographically. When you're looking for jobs and you're wide open to any location or multiple locations, your home address may limit how recruiters view your candidacy. Perhaps they don't have budget for relocation or they look at your location and the location of the job that they're recruiting for and they just think, well, this is just not likely, right? Maybe it's a big move and they just think it's not likely that you're going to make that big a move for this job. They don't know that your parents' home address or where you're currently living is not your dream city. Or maybe where you currently live is their dream city and they just can't imagine that you would want to make a move like that. Your cell phone number may indicate a certain location where you are, but since most people keep their numbers for years across moves to multiple different areas, that shouldn't cause the same limitation. So for contact purposes, the key things that you should include on your resume are your number, your email, and I recommend a link to your LinkedIn profile so that recruiters can check out your social media presence. So remember back when I said how important LinkedIn profiles are, you're going to link to that on your link, your resume as well. So now that we have that privacy and, and limitation on geography squared away, there's a couple other administrative matters to pay attention to. Make sure that you have your resume saved with a file name that includes your first and last name. And and for your own reference, you might as well put the month and year that this version was created. Do not call it my current resume or simply resume. 
You're going to save an extra step for whoever is on the other end of receiving your resume. If you put your name, your last name, your first name, the date, um, and you don't make them take the step of receiving it with your name. And also, after you've spell checked it thoroughly, you want to save it as a PDF so that your format stays static. This will lock the format into place so that it will look the same to whoever receives it on the other end as it did to you. So now that we have some of those basics out of the way, I want to give some content-focused advice. And the first is around that objective purpose statement that goes on the top of, of resume formats. And you may be asking, do you really need this purpose statement or career objective? And I would say that the answer to that is, it depends. I would not recommend having one if you are simply highlighting information that you already have elsewhere on your resume. I would recommend including it if you need to explain something that isn't obvious. Some examples of this include that you're making a career pivot where you're hoping that the work experiences you have on your resume can be interpreted with the lens of transferable skills. You might want to call that out in some sort of statement or purpose or objective. Recently, I recommended to someone that they have a statement so that they can explain a big location change. They were relocating from being abroad back to being domestic, and they hadn't yet locked in on a location. And so this was a statement that I was recommending to them to really emphasize their mobility, that they're wide open on location, and kind of explain why, that they've just come back to the States from being abroad for a period of time. I guess a little bit of a rule I would say is that if you cannot come up with a specific crisp and not redundant statement for the top of your resume, then I would take that as a big hint that you just don't need one. Another piece of content advice I have is around educational details. I don't feel that you need to include your GPA once you're a few years out of school and you have some work experience acquired. For college students looking for internships and first full-time positions, it's very helpful. And there are companies that are looking for students with a specific GPA for some of the programs that they have. I always also encourage college students to include some of the coursework that they've completed within their major. So those unique and probably super specialized classes that their school offered as part of their major that stand out as really impactful preparation for their targeted field. But once you're a few years out, and especially if you've been able to put some of that coursework to use in one of your work experiences or maybe a number of your work experiences, there's just really no need to use any of that valuable resume real estate for that level of detail. For more experienced workers as well, I would say that it's good advice not to include your graduation year on your resume. For a really good and 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 it's not an ageism sort of related reason that I'm going to explain in my next bit of advice. Work experience details. This is where you start to list out your work experiences. And if you're taking the traditional route of documenting your work experience as individual entries in reverse sequential order, then I recommend for the most part having no more than five bullets for each work experience. And that's a maximum. I'm not recommending five bullets. I'm recommending that as a maximum. And those bullets should be 
the accomplishments or significant contributions that you feel differentiate you. If you have a job title that is recognizable to people in your field who are going to be receiving your resume or recruiters who are recruiting for your field, let's assume that they know what the nuts and bolts are of that type of role for that job title. And instead, focus in on what makes you stand out and special. You do not need to think of this opportunity in the work experiences as a laundry list of every responsibility you were assigned or what you had to do on a day-to-day basis. I want you to focus in on significant differentiators. If you still have more than five bullets for a position, then I focus, I would say focus on the things you most hope to carry with you into your next opportunity. You don't need to call out things that you're just not interested in doing again. And employers, keep in mind, employers are often looking for people who have done the things that they're hiring for. It's not as often that they are looking for experiences that you've had that show your potential as much as we would love for that to be true. They're looking for the things that you've done that match what it is that they're looking for because they're hoping that you're going to be really good at doing them for them in the, at, at the new company. So if you don't want to do that kind of work in the future, don't highlight it on your resume. And along those same lines, if there are early experiences that are not relevant to where you've taken your path or, or the desired career direction that you're going, then I would advise you to leave those off. And this is where leaving out your graduation year helps. If you start your work experience with the job that first took you in the direction that you're heading, and the year that you started that job doesn't line up with your graduation year, it's just going to cause questions that aren't a good use of your time. You might be using an alternative to listing your work experiences as a structure of your resume. And the alternative is that you group your accomplishments across your entire career into buckets. And then you use a section that's separate to list your employers by just job titles and dates. This is actually how I have my resume formatted. I have my work experience bucketed into HRBP type accomplishments and contributions and talent management type contributions. And I have about five key accomplishments for each of those two categories listed out. I think it gives enough of a flavor of what I've done, but it doesn't require me to have bullets for each work experience. Next, I want to talk about technical skills, specialized skills, and credentials. I really like dedicating a section to a list of items. And if you have multiple certifications or licenses that are specific to the type of work you're looking for, then separate those out into their own little list as well. I just think a list is a good, efficient way to share this information. And I recently reviewed a resume where they used bullets to talk about the specific technical skills, and it just takes up more real estate that could be used in a more efficient way. So this could also be a good technique for you to keep your work experience bullets to that minimal number or that maximum number of five. And if there are things that your field considers core skills, but they're not really differentiating and you don't include them in your work experience, this is a good place where you can pull those out into the list and and keep your work experience really focused on those differentiated contributions. 
for college students especially, where you don't have a lot of work experience to include, so it's kind of the opposite problem of what I was just coaching on around trimming down your work experience. For college students, you may not have more than one or two internships to highlight, and you're looking for sections that you can include in your resume that will help you stand out. I recommend including a strengths section which is a handful of words that are curated to give potential employers that flavor, that sense of who you are, who you are to work with. I want to urge you, though, to resist using cookie cutter strengths like good communicator, time management, things that people kind of pull off the internet or, or they think just make them sound really good. I would encourage you to find out what your strengths are by asking your close network. And I've given this advice in previous podcast episodes. You can just send a text message to some people, uh, classmates that you've worked on a project with or uh, a former employer for a summer job, even your mom and dad or your friends. Ask them what their initial thoughts are in regards to three words that might describe you as a person or you as a project co-collaborator or you as an employee. Or better yet, and this is also a special passion of mine, I would recommend using a tool like the Gallup Clifton Strengths Assessment to find out your top five. This is also a very commonly used tool in organizations. And if you put your strengths on your resume, you don't even have to like brand it as Gallup top five, but you could but put your strengths on your resume using the Gallup Clifton Strengths language, the top five strengths. Anyone who's familiar with that and reading the resume will you know will know that you took that as an assessment to find out your top five and you didn't just grab those random ones from the internet. And also, there's 34 of those Gallup Clifton strengths, and they're all very strong descriptors of a talent theme, and it's not a cookie-cutter term like time management. Um, these strengths are articulated, even just a single word, in a way that I think is really crisp and clear and gets across a very distinctive characteristic of who you are. So I highly encourage you to take the time to go out and take that assessment. Maybe you already have taken it as part of a class or as part of something that you've done in your organization and add those onto your resume. Finally, over the past 18 to 24 months, I actually challenged myself to condense my resume down to one page. I've been in the corporate war world for just two years shy of 30 years. Hard to believe. I was inspired, in fact, by a lot of the early career resumes that I was reviewing. I was looking at so many college student resumes that were just one page, as they should be. And I just loved the way that that one page came across. I found that when reviewing resumes of more experienced people, I wasn't as engaged in all of the detail and the resume just seemed more dated and overly wordy. And, and I know I can be overly wordy, so I was thinking about how that reflected and my resume reflected upon me. So I condensed my entire career onto one page and I think it works. The feeling I had afterwards is kind of like that satisfaction you get when you clear out clutter from your house. I felt lighter, I felt more agile. And while the resume still conveys the most important things about my career and what I bring to the table, it's just one page. Now, some people might have a list of projects completed that needs to be shared and, and absolutely create that supplemental page that shares the projects that you've worked on. 
and add that in when someone is requesting that or even in the application process, there's always a spot where you can add additional documentation or resources. So go ahead and add that in, but don't have it be totally baked into your resume. Have it be an extra supplemental thing that's available upon request. So I do challenge everyone to try and get their resume to one page. And if it doesn't work for you, then that's fine. Do what works for you. That's it for this episode of the Career Chat Room. I hope this collection of some of my standard resume advice helps to get you moving on creating your really solid resume or conducting a resume reboot. Until next time, thanks for joining me in the chat room.